We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips. Joined as always by my co-host and colleague, Thomas Floyd. It's Kentucky week. We're going to talk first everything that happened in Nashville over the weekend as the Gamecocks got the win. 37-14 to 14 over the Commodores. Also look ahead to Saturday's game in Lexington, Kentucky as the Gamecocks travel to take on the Wildcats, looking to break a four-game losing streak to those guys. Uh, but first, before we dive into everything, if you're not subscribed yet, I'm not sure what you're doing. The best Gamecocks podcast on the internet by far. Please be sure to go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the Spurs Up show on iTunes, the Stitcher app, wherever you consume your media, wherever you get your podcasts. Please be sure to go check us out there. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter at the Spurs Up show. Uh, for Armchair South Carolina, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Armchair S Car. Also Facebook, Armchair South Carolina. And, of course, like I talked about, this is a podcast presented to you by the Armchair All-Americans. So please be sure to go check us out on armchairallamericans.com. For all of your latest breaking Gamecock coverage, news, our podcast, of course. And we also cover everything from collegiate to professional sports, esports, fantasy, gambling, you name it, we have it there. Please be sure to go check us out there. Also, this show is brought to you by our good friends over at MyBookie. There's obviously been a lot of big action going on. We've got some new segments I've been running through uh, with the best bet segment for your South Carolina Gamecocks games. If you haven't made an account yet, now is the perfect time to do so. We're getting into the meat of college football season. Please be sure to go to MyBookie.com and use our promo code SPURS25 to get your first deposit up to $1,000 matched and including you get 25 extra dollars when you include that 25 on the promo code. So please be sure to go check those guys out. I wouldn't recommend another betting site. I use it personally myself. I know it's a good one. Go over to mybookie.com. Actually, that's mybookie.ag, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag. And look, look, check those guys out on social media, also at, at betmybookie. Tom, you can literally bet everything. Before we got on the show today, I was on Twitter. You can actually bet when Bill Cosby dies in jail or if he's oh, going wow. to die in jail, which is an absolutely phenomenal, just crazy, crazy stat. You can literally bet everything. So go to over to mybookie.ag and use the promo code SPURS25 uh, and start winning today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right. Like I said, I'm joined as always by my co-host, Thomas Floyd. We're going to first dive into everything that happened in Nashville over the weekend. Gamecocks getting the big, big win on the SEC, in the SEC on the road, 37-14 over to the Commodores. Tom, first I'll ask, how you doing? How's everything been? And uh, how, how was your weekend watching the Gamecocks get the W? 
Uh, it was great. Watching Carolina is always fun, especially when they win. But, you know, three exams this week. It's a long week for me. We're just getting rolling now. Back, back on the grind after the uh, the hurricane break. I think everybody the hurricane screwed every college student that I know. I feel like everyone, all my friends have exams this week, even ones that go to different schools in South Carolina. I have five exams within a two-week period. If that's not the worst thing you've ever heard of in your life, then I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It threw everything out of a whack, but obviously we got back in the swing of things last week. Gamecocks as well, finding their winning ways, just going up to Nashville and really dismantling the Commodores from the first snap. Gamecocks go four plays, 55 seconds to open the game, score a touchdown, and you had to have you had to feel pretty good as a Gamecock fan of how that game was going to turn out. Uh, 20 to 14 at halftime, but South Carolina able to pull away in the second half, really wear down Vanderbilt. Could have been a lot worse than it was, if not for a couple big mistakes, a fumble at the goal line, stuff like that. But overall, anytime you go on the road in the SEC, win by three plus touchdowns, it's you know it's a good day. And I think it was definitely good for the Gamecocks to get that bitter taste from the Georgia game out of their mouths. Uh, we're going to break it all down, Tom. Starting with offense, you know the Gamecocks obviously over 500 yards of total offense, and again. It was Vanderbilt, but anytime you have a day like that where you have over 500 yards, you know, it's something to be, something to be very happy about. I mean, at 273 on the ground, we talked about how South Carolina really needed to establish the run game. Talk about, Tom, what you saw from the run game on Saturday, uh, obviously from those guys, Rico Dowdle, Tyson, A.J. Turner, even Mon Denson getting a rushing touchdown on Saturday. I mean, it looked very well compared to the Georgia game, obviously, when you only rushed for 54 yards. And I think that, you know, our run game tells the tale of the game. It'll tell the tale Every game, I think, this year. I think if South Carolina and Rico Dowell specifically can get going on the ground every game, then it's going to help Jake Bentley out. It's going to help the offense out, help him be more balanced. I mean, if you run for more yards than you pass, you're obviously going to – you're obviously beating an opponent very well, unless you're like Navy or some of those teams just from triple option like Georgia Tech. But I, I saw a lot of good things. I think Rico is obviously number one back, if you couldn't tell that from the game against Coastal Carolina. But and I think that – I think Tyson doesn't get as many touches as I'd like, to be honest, just for – in my opinion, I think they should get the ball in his hands more. He's an explosive player, can make big runs a lot of times. AJ, too. AJ deserves his fair share, but Rico is the bell cow. Rico should get the ball the most, and he is. And I think he's doing a really good job so far. Yeah, 112 rushing yards on the day Saturday. I mean, he obviously shined, got back to that form we talked about, the way he looked against Coastal Carolina. And it was nice, really nice to see him bounce back, you know, after he had a tough one against Georgia. And I know he was probably feeling the heat and feeling some pressure even on himself for – kind of, you know, the way that Georgia game went, it was great to see him bounce back. He was a guy I expected to fully, you know, fully expected to have a big game on Saturday, and he did not disappoint. Uh, another guy who had a big game on Saturday set a career high for receiving yards. Shy Smith breaks through. As many Gamecock fans on Twitter were calling for Jake Bentley and this offense to find Shy Smith, um, they did more than that. Shy Smith with a really big day, had a touchdown catch, almost had two. Uh, I think he was brought down at like the one or two yard line the second time, but uh, over 100 yards for him, Tom. Talk about Shy Smith, what you saw from him on Saturday. Um, and I, I think I, I can kind of echo what you're about to say. I, I think it's about time they got him more so involved in this offense. Yeah, I mean, I agree with what you just said. I think that they, he's one of the players who he really, at the end of the day, might be the most talented receiver on the team in terms of, you know, just absolute speed and how much you can burn people. And obviously, Debo's getting double team every time, so somebody's got to make plays. And they're obviously going to have some focus on Brian. I think Shy's the one guy that, you're not even really going to think about, and I think that he's going to always – he's going to burn people, but I think he's going to start getting a little more attention. But, it, I mean, you, you focus more attention on Shaw, then you're opening up Devo or Brian for big plays, and you definitely don't want to do that. But I just think that, you know, he's played very well so far in his career. I don't think he's had a drop in through one in 1.3 I mean, a year, full year and three games in this year. I don't think he's had a drop. And he's played very well, obviously. And he's, and he's an explosive player, and, yeah, we definitely need to get the, get the ball into his hands more. 
Yeah, I would say you made a good point. He's by far one of the hardest to tackle and probably one of the hardest to cover one-on-one. I mean, just with his speed, his athleticism, yeah. his quickness off the ball, uh, he's a he's a mismatch nightmare in the slot. And, you know, we were going to get to it a little bit later in the show, but obviously we're recording this on Tuesday night with the announcement of Ortre Smith being out for the season with his injured knee. I think Shaw Smith is going to be a guy who needs to take an even bigger role in this offense because, honestly – you know, as a Gamecock fan, I think you got to feel pretty good with a three-headed monster of Brian Edwards, Debo Samuel, and Shai Smith. That was – that, to me, was one of the biggest encouraging things and something I'm glad we saw is that you saw the South Carolina offense look as good as it did on offense, and the focal point didn't really feel like it was Debo Samuel. I thought they did a great job of spreading the ball around. Obviously, with the running game clicking, that's going to take a lot of pressure off of it. But they didn't make Debo Samuel necessarily the focal point of the offense, and I really thought, Tommy, it helped out with the balance and just the efficiency of the offense on Saturday. And something I saw today on some message board, I can't remember where, but it says something about how, you know, maybe we should look at going to the sweeps with Shire, or maybe giving to Debo and give him a little reverse to Shire Smith. Just get him more involved in the run game. Well, I guess a sweep technically is a pass with the way we run it. But, I mean, if you get him more involved and get him more touches and getting less pressure off of Debo to make big plays all the time, it's going to help a lot. And then defenses are going to go to sleep on Debo and then get one-on-one coverage and go for a touchdown for 50 yards out of nowhere. I think that's something big that we can use and the offense can use too. Yeah, and I think, I, you know, I just hope that's one thing, and I, I think he is, but I, I hope that's one thing that Brian McClendon is learning, you know, being the OC, kind of going game by game and, you know, learning on the fly is that just using all your weapons. Because, I mean, it, you could just tell against Georgia, they really tried to force feed the ball to Debo Samuel. And on Saturday, they did such a good job. You have other weapons, use them, you know what I mean? So, um, overall, you know, we talked about the running game really found its way on Saturday. I thought the offensive line, Tom, played as good of a game as, as we've yeah. seen. It looked a lot like the Coastal Carolina game, which I wasn't there in person, unfortunately. But on TV, you could really see the line of scrimmage just pushing the Vanderbilt defensive tackles, defensive linemen. I mean, it was four or five yards down the field sometimes before the South Carolina running backs got touched. Jake Bentley really didn't – I don't think he really felt any pressure all day Saturday. I don't have the stat pulled up in front of me, but South Carolina has been one of the best offensive lines as far as keeping Jake Bentley on his feet. I think they've only given up – I think it's three sacks on the season thus far, which I think is best in the SEC. So, the offensive line is doing what I think we all thought it could and we hoped it would with those big three in the middle that we always talk about. Blake Camper is another guy that I think is playing really, really well at that tackle position. So, you know, the offensive line, Tom, for me, I, I mean, that's – that's kind of the key to this cog, if you will, for this up-tempo offense and for this offense in general to keep putting up those numbers, especially going back on the road this weekend in another tough SEC environment against a hot Kentucky team, which we're going to get to a little bit later. But the offensive line play, to me, is one of the more underrated pieces of this offense that has to continue to keep improving and keep playing the way they are if this offense, you know, wants to have the kind of games it had Saturday and even better. Well, I think that obviously most people are going to say that probably Alabama has the most talented and probably the best offensive line in the SEC, but really it could be a tie between South Carolina and Georgia past that because, you know, they obviously, like you said, I think they get up three sacks from the year, best in the SEC. Jake's played very well. He's played a point in that. You know, he's really good at getting out of the pocket, making plays, you know, but I think they played really well this year. And I think, like you said, they're very underappreciated and that they they do a really good job of, you know, the line of scrimmage might be at the 10, but when actually the running backs actually hitting the hole at the 14 or the 13, it's thir- three or four yards down the field from where it's really supposed to be. They're getting a good push. I think that you can really tell the difference between an Eric Wolford coach offense line and the Sean Elliott offense line. I could be wrong there. You can say what you want to. I think Sean Elliott's a good coach. Don't get me wrong, but I think Eric Wolford's done a really good job with that unit, and they've continued to recruit well. A guy that, 
you know, probably is going to end up playing next year. Javon Gwynn got, gets a red shirt for this year. We'll get to see three years of him at least, and he's going to be a great offensive lineman for us. I think that that unit is something that's going to continue to improve if Walford stays here. I mean, I think he will. In my opinion, I would obviously – why would you want to leave? But I think it's unit you know, is very good. As far as when it comes to Jake Bentley, I think that he had a great game. I think that he spread the ball out very well. Obviously, he had a, that bad interception over the middle. But other than that, I really can't think of many bad throws he had at all. I mean, he's obviously you're going to miss five or six throws a game. It's going to happen that way. But I think he's completed around 68% this year, which is if you, if you take the drops out against Georgia, he's probably closer to 72 or 73 around there. He's had a really good year so far. I think his accuracy issues from last year for the most part are gone. It's, I mean, it just seems like we're playing really well offensively. Yeah, I mean, I thought Jake Bentley, like you said, I thought he had a really good game Saturday. He looked a lot more comfortable, obviously, than he did against Georgia. You know, he – wasn't hesitant as far as pulling the trigger. And I think that may have been attributed to, you know, obviously you're playing the lesser opponent, but I thought they had a little bit better of a plan. I thought maybe he looked a little bit more comfortable with that plan. And, yeah, I mean, he, he looked good on Saturday. I was going to yeah. say, do you, do you remember the one play where it was the 19-yard running half, which was a really good play? But the one thing I noticed about that play, he rolled right. And I was like, if he just looks back, he has Rico Dowdle with literally 30 yards of field and nobody in front of him. But it's – it's almost an impossible play to make running the other way. But I was like, man, I wish you had seen him. But, no, Bentley played well. And it's crazy with Bentley. His escapability, he's not a guy known for it. But he can make things happen when he needs to and yeah. when he gets out of the pocket. And it's, it's kind of crazy to see sometimes just how elusive he can be. But, yeah, I mean, that's the Jake Bentley South Carolina needs. I mean, they, you know, I think he threw for, what, like 260-something. 260 and uh, one touchdown and one pick. Yeah, just over 260, one touchdown, one pick. And that, that's the Jake Bentley South Carolina needs. I mean, I think – you ask any Gamecock fan if they can get that same Jake Bentley. You know, it's not about it's not about Jake Bentley going out there and throwing for 350 yards, five touchdowns, like the Drew Locke effect. It's more so about just being steady Eddie and South Carolina knowing. Well, being efficient, I think, is something that he has to be every game. Yeah, yeah, and just knowing what South Carolina is going to get out of him every single game. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. And like you said, if I think if he can continue, I know, I know we knocked him pretty hard for what happened against Georgia, and I think there was definitely just some frustration the way South Carolina looked as a whole over that. But if he can continue to be efficient and keep that completion percentage up like you talked about, Tom, and just avoid those bad mistakes where he sometimes just stares at one receiver and doesn't look off anybody, and that's when he gets in real trouble is when he just locks in on one guy and, you know, you can see it coming from a mile away. And there's a lot of there, – there are some plays where he he looks to the left side of the field. His his head never goes off the left side of the field. Everybody knows the ball is going. So, if he can if he can improve in regards to that and keep his completion percentage up and, you know, obviously the South Carolina wide receivers do what they do and not, not drop passes like against Georgia, I mean, Jake Bentley can be a weapon. It's just all about can he – again, we're going to talk about later, can he step up in the big game again? Uh, can he elevate his play when, when, when the team really needs him to? And I think that's going to be a yeah. big question, obviously, moving forward until South Carolina wins that big game. Um, you know, the one thing I, I will say, you know, all the positives, we'll have to talk about the negatives. Obviously, it was a rainy day in Nashville, so I think it's something that could have played a part in this. But, you know, South Carolina with the pick late, Rico Dowdle fumbles at the goal line. Um, you know, you just wonder, you know, it. the, the great thing, I, I'm not sure where I heard this, I think it was on the radio this past week after the game is, you know, it's always a great thing. The best – a head coach's dream is to have a three-touchdown win and be, still be able to have teaching points and lessons where you can teach somebody where it didn't, like, cost you the game, for example. And the Rico Dowdle fumble is a perfect example. You know, you have the ball down there on the goal line. You're not always going to be up three touchdowns when you're down there on the goal line, and, you know, it doesn't really hurt you. So that needs to be a teaching lesson, in my opinion, just to Rico, just a reminder, hey, you got to hold on to the football. It doesn't matter if it's rain, shine, sleet, or snow. you got to hold on to the football. You can't fumble the football, especially down there at the goal line. So – 
you know, you correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, you know, you voice your opinion, but I don't think it'll be a huge issue, but it's definitely something to watch as far as the South Carolina running backs and just this team as a whole, because I think they have to win the turnover battle to be successful. I mean, yeah, they were, I mean, it was very um, wet in, in at Vanderbilt at the university there. It was storming a lot. If you couldn't tell, and West Champ looked pretty wet, but uh, I just don't think it's going to be an issue. It hadn't been an issue so far through the year, so I don't really expect it to be one past that. Obviously, you don't want any fumbles at all. Uh, I mean, I just don't think it's going to be a really big issue going down the line. Because I think the only the only time we're really going to have issues with the turnover battle is Jake throwing picks. And, I, and our turn, we look very good getting the ball out of uh, Vanderbilt. Had three fumbles forced against them and two recovered. Javon Kenlaw was a monster. But uh, I just don't see it as an issue going forward. Yeah, and that, that brings us to moving into the defense. And where else could we start other than with, with Javon Kenlaw? Just running through his stats really quickly. Um, he was the co-SEC defensive lineman of the week. No surprise there. His stats, five tackles, two hurries, three tackles for loss, two sacks, a pass breakup, and two forced fumbles. Um, and he didn't play the fourth quarter. So an absolutely phenomenal day from Javon Kinlaw. I think the kind of day, Tom, that we had talked about in the preseason, the, the type of disruptive force that we really, we really thought he could be. And, I mean, he really balled out on Saturday. I thought Bryson Allen Williams had a really good game. He was extremely hectic. It was very nice to see uh, – uh, Aaron Sterling with the fumble recovery. You know, obviously that was a that was a fumble that Javon Kinlaw forced. Um, you know, talk about how nice it was to see Javon Kinlaw, I, I guess, sort of, I don't want to say reach his full potential because it was just one game, but kind of kind of show show what he's capable of, capable of in an SEC game, especially on the road uh, against a Vanderbilt team with a veteran quarterback. I mean, he's a man-child, if you couldn't tell. I don't think there was any – I don't really think there's a lot of guards or centers in the SEC that could take him one-on-one -on -one consistently. He's a big body. I mean, he's lean. He can move very fast. He has the moves you couldn't tell from his pass rush on Saturday. I think there were a couple times where he had a couple – he got close to the quarterback and, then, you know, didn't necessarily get the sack. But he was getting in their face. He knocked down a ball one time. I mean, he's doing – he's everything you want in a defense tackle, especially with his size in the SEC. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, you know – there are a lot of plays he made on Saturday as far as pressuring the quarterback and just being a, you know, being a force in there that aren't really going to show up on the stat sheet. Um, and that was one thing we talked about. And the defense, I thought, did a great job of containing Kyle Shermer. You had Rashad Fenton with a pick. Uh, Kyle Shermer just never really looked like he got comfortable on Saturday, which we talked about was going to be a huge key. I thought you had to really get in Kyle Shermer's face, make him make some bad decisions post-snap. And I thought the defense did that overall. I mean, it was a it was a really – in my perspective, it was a really encouraging performance by the South Carolina defense. Um, you hold Vandy to 2 of 14 on third down for the game, 0 for 8 in the second half. The Gamecocks – fully just thoroughly dominated that second half of football um you know Tom we're I, I want to start with the just overall the run defense I thought South kind of did a great job of really shutting Vandy down I mean I held them to I believe right in the 50 60 yard range I mean it really was a non-factor for the Commodores talk about what you saw not from just Ken Law but Bryce Nolan Williams those are the guys up front it seems like Bryce Nolan Williams is all over the field he's always getting in the quarterback's face making plays when it comes to the run game I think that you know, our defense played really well. And obviously, you know, when you only give up 17 points when you're on the road, you're doing something right. Was it 17? Uh, 14, excuse me, 14, yeah, 14 points. Points. You only give up two touchdowns and you don't let them score in the second half. I think our third down efficiency is like top 10 in the country. Or the it's, SEC. The best, it's the best in the SEC right now. South Carolina's yeah, got the best, best third down defense. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, speech for itself. I think that's something last year that we didn't even do that well was third down nah, defense. Yeah, that was your middle of the pack, if not seventh or eighth. So okay, I, that was so a. Yeah. You're doing a lot better there. Obviously, you don't have the name, the big name like last year. You had a guy more in the middle. But 
I mean, the defense statistically has improved. I don't know if you know the eye test may tell you something different when you look at them play. Obviously, against Georgia, they played like absolute dog crap, but that's a different story for a different day. I mean, as long as – if they play this level against Kentucky and make Kentucky go 2-14 of 14 on third down, 0-8 in the second half, we should beat Kentucky by three touchdowns. I mean, very easily. I don't think that – you know, if you can have that kind of performance on the road two weeks in a row, that's something that's unheard of. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And, you know, that moves me to just kind of breaking down each level of the defense because there were definitely some different takeaways. Um, Rashad Fenton, pretty simply, just I, I think he's still playing at an elite level and he's still one of the best corners in the SEC that I, I don't think enough people talk about. He, he continuously makes plays week in and week out. Again, had the interception on Saturday. Uh, one guy that me and you, Tom, were talking about kind of texting back and forth and you know, we were just kind of, you know, you're obviously nitpicking in a game where it's a blowout, who doesn't look good, who looks good. Keyshawn Nixon's a guy I think that's got a lot to improve on. He was yeah. very subpar in coverage. He's a guy that, you know, a year ago, I, I know the coaching staff's really high on him. I think Keyshawn Nixon can be a, be a solid defensive back. But what scared me about him is a year ago, I remember watching, I was at the game against Arkansas. South Carolina won that one really big, I think 44 to 20. Eight was the score, I believe, or something like that. South kind of won big. We all remember the, all the defensive touchdowns. Uh, and Keyshawn Nixon had the pick six. Everybody's riding high. You know, he did really well. Literally the next drive, he gets burned for a, like a 30, 40-yard touchdown. I'm just yeah. sitting there thinking, you know, I think Keyshawn Nixon is sort of this year's Jamarcus King, where you just kind of don't know week in and week out what kind of performance you're going to get. And it, it kind of worries me, Tom, that maybe, you know, I don't know if it's going to really burn you against Kentucky because they're not exactly going to throw it all over the yard. But you start playing these teams that really throw the football a lot. Is Keyshawn Nixon going to be a guy that may be able to be exposed by opposing offenses? Well, I think that he's just an average corner. I don't think that he's going to do – Obviously, as that pick six against Arkansas, a great play. He has that interception against Clemson last year, a great play. But I think he's going to be a guy that's going to get burnt sometimes, and he's going to make plays for you, just like Jamarcus King. You know, Jamarcus might give up a touchdown, but he'll get a pick that I have to make up for. I don't know if Keyson has the – he doesn't have the size Jamarcus did. I don't know if he can make up the play, make up exactly the amount of plays that Jamarcus did. But he's still he's – a, he's, a, he's an okay corner, and I think that that's just what South Carolina needs right now. I think that eventually later in the year, I mean – J.C. Horn could push him back into the nickel, and J.C. Horn could be your outside corner, but just what well, we can wait and see about that. Yeah, and that's a really good point. J.C. Horn continues to play at an extremely high level. I don't think – he may have been targeted once all day Saturday, and I think it's just yeah. because of how good a coverage he's in. I mean, that's high respect for a true freshman. You think that's the guy you want to go after. But uh, sticking with the secondary, you know, uh, the guy that I keep waiting on to really ball out and have a big day is Jamias Williams. I, I've been sort of – yeah, I've been sort of surprised at the – lack of impact if you will that he's had and I mean I guess it's kind of a good thing for your you know you really don't want your safety to have like 12 tackles and being on every play because that means they're getting to the second level almost every play but I'm just kind of waiting you know what I mean? it's not that Jamias Williams is doing anything wrong he's you know he's playing solid but I'm just kind of waiting on him to have that big game that that game-changing interception that game-changing hit over the middle like I'm just kind of waiting we'll have to see if it comes this week but uh you know, last thing, finishing up on defense, because, Tom, this is a conversation you and I had again after the game. Uh, and you had talked about to me how you feel like the linebacker depth. You know, obviously there's some solid pieces there. You got T.J. Brunson leading the way. Um, but beyond him, there could be a concern at linebacker, especially when you're playing a team like a Kentucky um, who loves to run the football. Obviously, Benny Snell, you know the challenge there. Uh, what do you see from this linebacker corps, Tom, that makes you just a little bit worried going through the rest of the season? Well, I think that – I mean, losing Sky Moore just hurts so much, and I don't think people are realizing it yet when it comes to coverage. I mean, he's a guy who had 14 career interceptions. I mean, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Pretty sure yeah, it's 14. 14. 14 career interceptions. You're not going to replace that in coverage just with 
T.J. Brunson or Sherrod Green or Eldridge Thompson. I mean, it's going to be a committee thing. But I think if if T.J. Brunson goes down or Sherrod Green goes down, I mean, who do you have backing them up? I mean, it's going to be Demonte State, Demonte Stanley. You're going to move Bryce Nye Williams, the middle linebacker. Like, I just think if one of them gets hurt or one of them, you know, maybe T.J. doesn't have a great game next week and Benny Snell takes advantage of him. You know, that's a big difference maker for us there. And, and I guess you know, it's just it's just a tough thing for me. I don't know. I just it's a position I don't think people are talking about that could eventually end up end up getting us exposed at some point in the year. Yeah, well, I definitely think this upcoming week is the kind of game where you're really going to find out what kind of middle linebacker T.J. Brunson is. I mean, I'm not questioning the kid. I think he's a phenomenal player, but, you know, he has to really step in and be that sky more of the defense this weekend. And we're going to obviously break everything down with that game in just a second. But, and I'm um, not – let me just say something. I'm not questioning T.J.'s ability to play. I think he's a very great linebacker. I'm more focusing on the rest of the linebacker core and what they provide for us. It's not – I think TJ is a great leader, a great player. He's going to be a guy who probably ends up playing the NFL some, but it's just the rest of that linebacker core and the depth there that really concerns me. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I agree. I mean, I think you're depending on guys after TJ Brunson in that middle position. I mean, you're, you're depending on a guy like a Rosendo Lewis, who's yeah, got a lot of freshman. talent, but he's a true freshman. So, I mean, it's, you know, you, you were definitely thin at that position. Uh, I remember the play on Saturday, Sherrod Green had a miserable missed tackle, which I, I don't want to dive into that too much. Yeah. But it was an absolute whiff, but. Um, you know, I mean, I think for South Carolina right now, you've got a decent starting three, but yeah, I agree that, you know, Eldridge Thompson went down on Saturday and he's supposed to be okay for this week. But I mean, when I saw that happen, I mean, anybody you lose at the linebacker core is going to be a big blow at this point. That's why when I saw, when I saw, um, DJ Wanham go down against Coastal, I was not glad that it was DJ, but I'd rather it have been DJ than TJ Brunson. I'd rather it have been Wanham than Brunson. Any day of the week, I think there's more depth at the buck position than there is at linebacker. I think that was, you know, I, that eight and that six looked like, and I was getting a little concerned for a second. Yeah, I know. I agree with you 100%. So we'll have to continue to see how that plays out. Again, I think linebacker, the uh, linebacker position is going to be key this week. Um, kind of finishing up from Saturday, the special teams, Parker White, three for three on field goals. Tom, it's it's really great to see the, the, the field goal unit, especially Parker White. Kind of he has his confidence. He's – you know, he has kind of reestablished himself as he's the guy. Do you think Parker White can be sort of a weapon for South Carolina now if they come in some, um, you know, some cl- close games coming up? You have these conference games coming up, Kentucky, Missouri, Texas A&M, where they might need Parker White to kick a game winner, or, you know, a late field goal to put you ahead in the game. I think Parker White might actually be becoming a weapon for the South Carolina team, and I think a huge reason is because they're using him much more fairly this season than I asking too much of him. And, I mean, inside of 40 yards, he's he's pretty much money. I mean, yeah, he hasn't missed a field goal this year. He's hit all his PATs. I think he's done a really good job. And I think that, you know, he's obviously had a drastic improvement last year. You know, you could say he hasn't kicked within, without 40 yards, but it seems like he has a lot more confidence kicking the ball. His field goals are down the middle. It's not like he's barely making it. You know, he, he just seems like – I don't know about weapon. Can they use him as a weapon? I don't know about that term. He's not Elliot Fry by any means. But is he a good player now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I mean, I think South Carolina would take anything over last year. Just having a yeah. solid option is better than what you had a year ago, for sure. Um, biggest takeaway from Saturday, you know, Tom, I'll start with this one. You know, my biggest takeaway from Saturday, Tom, and this was something I sort of talked about and sort of believed this would happen, but my biggest overall takeaway is South Carolina is just a completely different team and a completely different offense when they can run the ball effectively. I mean, it's it just opens up so much for your offense. It takes all the pressure off Jake Bentley. He looked like a completely different quarterback on Saturday. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, it just made the biggest difference. I mean, maybe that's just, maybe that's common sense and that's something that maybe not be a revelation for, for anyone to hear. But to me, it's just, you know, South Carolina is a team, in my opinion, that I think almost you could say every game, the key is run the football. I mean, that, if South Carolina, I'm almost to the point, if South Carolina runs for a hundred yards or more, they're going to win. That's how I yeah. feel. I really feel like if they break the hundred yard mark rushing the football, they're having a really good day on offense. We're probably scoring at least 30 at least. Yeah. At least three, four touchdowns at least. And South Carolina's probably winning the game because with a Will Muschamp coach team, you score 28 points, you're going to win. I mean, that, that's yeah. pretty, that's, that's what his track record has shown. So um, I just think South Carolina, they continue to run the football effectively. It's going to really change this offense and, give South Carolina the opportunity to have the kind of season it wants. So that, that was my biggest takeaway. Tom, what was yours? I agree with you there. I think that, you know, when you run the ball, you're obviously going to do well for yourself. But my biggest away from Saturday, takeaway from Saturday is that Parker White can hit field goals. And, you know, he's three for three in the game, four for four in PATs in the game. You don't see that very, very often out of kickers. And I think, that, I mean, from any kicker really, and, you know, I think that he gets this confidence from this game. Going in Kentucky, I think if we have to use him in situations, he'll definitely, you know, do a good job. I think he's going to hit his field goals next week. That isn't to say that he's never going to miss a field goal because he is going to. There's nothing we can do about that. But I think that he's definitely somebody that we can rely on a lot more now than compared to him last year. Yeah, and it's crazy, man. I mean, you think back to last year. I mean, those missed field goals, they just changed the whole momentum of a game. And, I mean, you think about it. If Let's just say you missed all three of them. South Carolina would still won the football game. But 37 to 14 feels a lot better than 28 to 14. It just, I don't know, it gives you that extra little boost. And again, just having his confidence. But I think South Carolina has a team and an offense, you know, having their confidence. I I think, I just think it makes a huge, huge difference. So, and and it looked like it showed, you know, on Saturday and kind of coming into this week as well. Um, We're going to start or go move into some armchair game balls. Tom, I'll let you start. Who are you giving your your, uh, game balls to this week? Uh, Offense, I'm going to go Shot Smith. Obviously, had a great game. I think he had 113 in touchdown. Could have had two on that uh, other deep bomb he had, but played really well for us. Uh, I'm going to go defense. I'm going to go Javon Kimball. He's a monster. Two sacks, forced fumble, five tackles, three tackles for loss, I'm pretty sure. I mean, what else can you ask of a guy on defense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you, you definitely took the top two that I think are the, uh, the most popular the, choices. I took the easy two. Yeah, I, I left those for you on purpose. I was like, let me let me try to give two game balls to some guys maybe you, under the radar. You always take the guys who do the best I do. every time. I, I am so, always stealing the, the popular choice. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give Tom the uh, the benefit of the doubt here and let him let him have the uh, the easy pick. So, with my game balls, I went on offense, quarterback Jake Bentley. I just thought he had a really nice bounce-back performance. Um, after the Georgia game, obviously, after a ton of criticism coming his way, a lot of heat. I mean, obviously, you know, he's a guy that he shuts it down on social media. He's not on Twitter. I'm sure he's probably not on Instagram, really anything. But you can't help but hear the outside noise and know what people are saying about you and kind of the criticism that's coming your way. Um, I thought Jake Milley had a really, really nice bounce-back performance, um, you know, and really showed, you know, obviously why he's one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC, at least upper half of the SEC. And uh, I think he needs to continue to play that way, obviously, but a really good game from him. And then on defense for me, I talked about him earlier, defensive back Rashad Finn. I think he's a guy that maybe doesn't get enough love because he's so good. I don't think teams maybe throw his way quite as much. And South Carolina just doesn't play a lot of teams. They're going to throw 30, 40, 50 times a game. But yeah. Rashad Fenton is a guy that he's really reestablished Fenton Island um, you know, had the pick on Saturday that, that that ball had absolutely no chance to be caught by anybody other than Rashad Fenton. But, you know, really nice play. And he puts himself in the right position. And overall, he, you know, he's definitely a leader of that secondary. And, I, I you know, I'm really glad he's a Gamecock. So, um, 
that moves us to, Tom, it is Kentucky week. South Carolina heads to Lexington, Kentucky to take on the Kentucky Wildcats, who are 4-0 and right now. 17th ranked in the AP poll. The game kickoff 7.30 SEC Network at Kroger Field. Um, interesting for you people that care, and if you do listen to this show, you know that my bookies are sponsor. You should care. Uh, the line opened up, Tom, this week. South Carolina was favored by a point, point and a half, depending on where you look. Kentucky is now a two-point favorite. The over-under set at 50, point, uh, 50 over-under at 50. Um, series history, South Carolina leads it overall 17-11-1. Last year, we all know Kentucky got the big win in Williams-Brice Stadium, 23-13. to It was probably one of the most deflating games I've ever attended um, as far as what you had around with the hype and all that good stuff. But uh, Kentucky winners of four straight, obviously, again, uh, in this series and four straight this season, they're two and zero in conference. I think they're the only person or the only team that's. You know, or no, excuse me, Georgia's two and zero in conference. But uh, uh, Kentucky two and zero in conference, seventeenth in the AP poll. Mark Stoops is returning as their head coach. Obviously, um, you know, jumping right into it, Tom. Obviously, we all know what this week means. The four game losing streak you have to Kentucky right now. Uh, how do you think that, you know, because Will Muschamp talked to the media today, all the players talked to the media, they all shrugged it off. This this week is a season. They said all the right things. Uh, they're not even thinking about what happened. You know, Jake Bentley said it's the 2018 Gamecocks and the 2018 Wildcats. With all that being said, though, how do you think South Carolina, knowing it's on a four-game losing streak to Kentucky, having to go to Lexington with the success Kentucky's had this season, how do you think that losing streak plays into Saturday's game? for South Carolina, maybe mentally, or maybe do they play on a chip on their shoulder, or does it play in this game at all? I mean, I think it it, it kind of puts a chip on their shoulder, but like I think all the players said, it's a new season we're worried about this year. What's done in the past doesn't affect us, and, you know, I, I agree with what the players and what the coaches have said. Yeah, no, I, I, the only thing I would say about it is that not that they wouldn't think this otherwise, because, I mean, obviously you hadn't lost to Vanderbilt in nine seasons, and they treated that game pretty – like it was pretty important, you know, this past weekend. But South Carolina's players are not going to go through this week not understanding the importance of winning this game and what it means this season. I know they talk about every each, each week is a season, and, you know, you never want the staff or the players in the locker room to think that, well, if we lose this game, the season's over. But as fans, as people that analyze the team, as, you know, you know, you know, people that watch from the outside, if you will, we can say, if you lose this game, the season is, you don't want to say it's over, but it, the the prospects of this season take a extreme downward turn yeah. if you lose this football game. I don't care what Kentucky's ranked. I don't care what their record is. You lose this football game, things start looking a little bleak, and you go back to negativity town like you were in after Georgia. You think after Georgia was bad, you lose to Kentucky, and things start swirling all over again. So, I think, obviously, South Carolina's football team knows that. I think I think they understand the importance of the football game. And, I mean, there's no doubt that I think the South Carolina Gamecocks, they're going to give their best shot on Saturday. I, I just don't see any way where they come out flat or just come out not ready to play. Um, you know, Benny Snell, obviously, Tom, there's been the Heisman campaign. It started up for him this week. He's been one of the best running backs in the SEC, if not the entire country. I think the big question surrounding this week, Tom, and the first thing you got to point to for South Carolina, they had a really tough time with Georgia stopping their running backs, uh, wrapping up, you know, stopping them on the first tackle, the first guy swarming the football. Can South Carolina, maybe not even so much stop, can they slow down Benny Snell on Saturday? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it's going to be a, it's a different game than Georgia. Obviously, I think that Georgia, the difference between Georgia and Kentucky is that Obviously, Benny Snell is a very good back, but it's Benny Snell by himself. It's not like Kentucky has a stable of running backs like Georgia does. 
each of them just as good as the last I bring in. Obviously, uh, they have other good backs too. It's not, they probably have, but they're not to the level of caliber that Georgia is, where they could just switch in a guy and it's like you don't know the difference. It's not like Alabama and Georgia; they're kind of like that way. But can they stop Benny Snell? Yeah. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Yeah, and no, I think it's again. I think it's more so you got to slow him down than stop him. I think Benny Snell's too good of a player to. I don't think South Carolina's going to go out there and hold him. He's going to get his fair share of runs. Right, I mean, right. Not, he's not going to. He's not going to go out there and rush for thirty-five yards. And I mean, if he does, great. If that South Carolina defense can go out there and do that, and Javon Kinlaw and those guys have that big of an impact, great. But you got to be realistic and thinking he's going to get his yards, like you said. He's going to get his touches. I mean, they're going to do everything they can, obviously, to feed him the football and let him get in the groove. And because I think as he goes, their offense goes. But yeah. you got to find a way, stack the box. You know, you got to make sure, obviously, your tack. You need to have a great game tackling. You got to wrap up. Uh, swarm the football like Will Muschamp likes to talk about um, and contain him somewhat because if you let him go off like he did this past week against Mississippi State um, when he ran for I think 165 yards it's going to be tough to beat them on Saturday if you let him uh, you know if you can't contain him contain him in any type of way Um, Tom I know you're not a big believer and uh, and you're not you don't dive into these type of stats but I, I like to bring it up I am someone who who loves these type of stats you know, as I talked about in the beginning, South Carolina opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite in Vegas. And a lot of people were very, very surprised at that line, including myself. Brad Crawford, friend of our show, actually tweeted out, I believe, Saturday night that he thought Kentucky would open as a six-point favorite. Mm. South Carolina opened as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Do you think the guys out in Vegas know something everybody doesn't, or is it a completely moot point I need to shut up about gambling forever? It's a completely moot point and has no effect on the actual game. <laughs> That's I all just, I got to say about it. It's a, it, it is a very interesting talking point because those guys, those – I will say this, those casinos out in the desert aren't built from winner's money. They're built from loser's money. So, yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. That's all I'm saying. It is an interesting point. What does Vegas know that maybe we don't? Because if you think of it this way as well, even with Kentucky being a two-point favorite, the – the way it's looked at is that the home team gets three points just for being at home. So you'd look at really the way Vegas is looking at this game right now is that South Carolina would be a one-point favorite on a neutral field, and they'd be a four-point favorite at home, so more than a field goal. So it, it is very interesting to see. Again, I mean, what does it really mean? Who knows? Because you got to go out there and play all, all the sna- – you know, play the actual game. So in as far as matchups and everything, it's not a huge deal, but something to, something to keep in mind. You know, obviously we talked about Kentucky comes in this game ranked 17th. They just came off a huge win over Mississippi State, which I don't know that anybody saw coming. Just getting back to Vegas, they were an 11-point dog in that game and won by three touchdowns. Um, But I think the dynamic this season, Tom, versus past seasons where South Carolina's played Kentucky, and I think each of the past four seasons of the losing streak, your number one thought going every week was you have no excuse to lose. You have no excuse to lose this game. You're so much better um, you know, you you have all these high lofty expectations and goals for your season. And, you know, Kentucky has played spoiler, if you will. This season, it's a little bit different, I think. Not that South Carolina is not a good team and, you know, their only hope for this season is to play spoiler. But Kentucky is the one this, this week. You know, the Benny Snell Heisman campaign got launched. Everybody's telling the Wildcats how great they are. You know, it's it's a home game. You know, you've beaten South Carolina four in a row. It's no big deal. Do you think this feels like a little bit of a role reversal from the years past? And do you think the Gamecocks can maybe embrace that role and play spoiler on Saturday? Uh, I mean, it is a role reversal. If Benny Snell gets hurt on the, like the second drive of the game after he busts a touchdown on the first drive, I think that would be the ultimate 
laugh out loud thing to happen. I don't want that to happen. I don't hope, hope Benny Snell gets hurt. Obviously, I'm not that much of a douchebag, but I I don't know. I mean, can they place floor? Yeah. Will it happen? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's just something. It's it's a very interesting dynamic for this game. Again, I think the mental because. I'm not – I'll just say this. I'm giving Kentucky all the respect in the world. It's going to be a very, very tough game, and South Carolina's going to play – they've got to play their best game to win, but I'm still not buying the fact that Kentucky's talent level from top to bottom is on the same level as South Carolina. I'm just not doing it. You look – I'm not even a big recruiting guy, but you look at all the recruiting rankings, Kentucky doesn't recruit the same player South Carolina does. They just don't. Nah. So, I, I just – I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that Kentucky top to bottom is a better football team. I know what they just did against Mississippi State. What do we know about Mississippi State? I don't really know what we know about Mississippi State. But I'm just not buying that Kentucky is – you know, it, they're Kentucky. I mean, they're just Kentucky. I know you've lost four in a row, but they're still Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, one of the big questions to me, Tom, going into Saturday is, can South Carolina's offensive line continue to play that they've been on? And we talked about that because Kentucky's got some really talented guys up front. You've got Josh Allen, who's the jack that I think kind of plays like their buck in their defense. Um, Cash Daniels, a guy who's kind of made a splash with people on social media. You know, he talked about the Mississippi State. Hope they their girlfriends broke up with them. I don't feel about well, whatever. But they've got some talented guys on defense. Um, talk about, Tom, you know, how do you feel as far as, as, far as that matchup is concerned, the South Carolina offensive line? going into Saturday against that Kentucky defensive front. They've been one of the best defenses in the SEC, and if not the country. Um, and I think, again, establishing the run and winning the line of scrimmage is going to probably go a long way in determining this game. Wait, you said – this dude's name is Cash Daniel. His name is Cash Daniel, yes. That is – that's – okay. That's the first team – that's first team all SEC names, by the way. That's a great one. I haven't heard that before. I did see the tweet – the thing he said about how he – all their girlfriends broke up with him, whatever. Well, I hope Zach Bailey pancakes that dude at least a hundred times just for <laughs> that little comment he wants to make. But no, I think South Carolina's offensive line is going to hold their own against Kentucky. It's not Georgia. I that's one thing I'm kind of telling myself. You know, they're not as good as Georgia, but they also they're they're a pretty good team. They're obviously number seventeen in the country for a reason. But yeah, South Carolina should be able to run the ball pretty well against them. Yeah, they asked him uh, about beating Mississippi State. He said, I hope they're all crying. I hope all their girlfriends broke up with them, everything. I don't care about them at all. So, yeah. I mean, he's a funny dude. But, yeah, I, I would love to see Zach Bailey put him on his behind. And that's one thing, again, I, I feel like I'm talking about a lot of things that don't have to do with specific matchups and things of that nature. But there's just so many dynamics, in my opinion, behind this Kentucky team is that this is a very loud and outspoken Kentucky team. It's a very cocky Kentucky Benny Snell, I mean, granted – when, you, when you've played the way Benny Snell has, you have all the room in the world to talk. But the way that Benny Snell has mouthed off after every game, posting the things on Instagram he's post with, you know, holding you know holding a gator by the neck after they beat Florida, holding a bulldog in his arm after they beat Mississippi State. You know, the, the way that this, this linebacker here has been talking. This is – I mean, this Kentucky team has been – loose-lipped, loose in the jaw, and it just yeah. – it feels like to me, you know, again, it has nothing to do with matchups or anything on the field because I, I don't think there's like this – again, there's not this huge talent gap where Kentucky's better than South Carolina or maybe even South Carolina's better than Kentucky. I think South Carolina is better than Kentucky talent-wise, but it's not some humongous gap like Georgia and Vanderbilt or something like that. But this Kentucky team, it just feels like to me that – you, you, you just – you're hyping everything up, pumping it all up. You're talking all this smack, and it, it it's setting up to blow up in your face. I, I mean, yeah. because I talked about you – I talked with you today, Tom. I mean, you know, we think South Carolina's got a bad history in big games. Look at the Kentucky football program and tell me all the big games they've lost. I mean, 
they have lost to Florida for 31 straight seasons until this season. So yeah, Kentucky knows what it's like to blow a big game in heartbreaking fashion. So, yeah. um, you know, the last part, last point we're going to touch on before we get in some, some key matchups, keys to the game, things of that nature. You know, South Carolina in this four-game losing streak, they've been dominating the line of scrimmage. And, again, I think that's maybe going to be one of the biggest keys to the game. They've got to win the line of scrimmage because Kentucky has flat-out dominated the trenches um, in the four-game losing streak. Uh, there's no questions asked. Benny Snell's had a lot of success. But South Carolina's just gotten whipped physically up front. And I think that's been the thing that's been most maddening is people just don't feel like, you know, Kentucky should not have that big of an advantage on you up front. Um, my question, Tom, can this be the year? Can South Carolina reverse that trend? And can they win that battle up front on Saturday? Because, again, I think that's going to be one that's going to go a long way in determining the, the, uh, the winner of this game. I mean, I agree. I think that it's going to be the, – the line of scrimmage is the determining factor of every game, regardless of what anybody thinks. But something that South – not South Carolina, something that Kentucky didn't have to deal with last year was Javon Kenlaw of the middle stuffing Benny Snell. I don't know if that's going to happen exactly like that, but I think that that's a, that's a big – Javon is a big difference maker in that defense line. I think that, you know, when it comes to our offense line, they're much more improved, much more athletic than they were last year. If, if Kentucky don't get a pressure on Jake Milley, lets him throw over the field, and they can open up old Rico Dowdle, then they could end up being a long game for Kentucky. Yeah. Now, I, go ahead. Go ahead. You, go ahead. you can go ahead, my bad. No, I was just going to say, I agree with you that Javon Kinlaw really wasn't a factor in last year's game. He wasn't really in playing yeah. shape. And I think he's a guy that – if he can carry over that game he had from Vanderbilt and bring that same tenacity and be that same disruptive force he was in Nashville, this it might be a whole different story for this South Carolina defense. Yeah, I agree. And I think that something that I said earlier about Zach Bailey, Zach Bailey moving back to guard is going to – is tremendous helpful, has tremendous help for our offense line. I think that that – Donnell Stanley, too, and Cedarius Hutchinson are all three – three guys that might be playing in the NFL. You know, you never know, but – and we have a really good interior on our offense line. I think that the tackles are probably, if you had one concern, it'd probably be Blake Camper maybe, but he's still playing pretty well this year. I haven't really seen him make lose a – I mean, lose a – I haven't seen him get Jake Bentley killed yet, basically, is what I'm trying to say. But, I don't know. I think, I think we're a lot improved in both areas compared to what we were in previous years. Yeah, that's one thing I was going to say as well, is I almost had to look up the South Carolina tackles before the podcast because I'm like, the South Carolina offensive line has played so well. You haven't heard anybody talk about the tackles. Nobody's gotten beat on the outside. I mean, you've only given up three sacks, and I think one or two of those was when Jake Bentley kind of tried to scramble and got tackled in the backfield. So, I mean, the offensive line is playing to a level, you know, I think it's best that way. It's kind of like, you know, if you do your job on the offensive line, nobody knows who you are, and that's really how it should be. So, <laughs> that's what you uh, – you don't want to hear anything bad about your offensive line. Right, exactly. And, and I was just going to say, kind of even going back to the Vanderbilt game, but just overall for South Carolina, you know, knock on wood, closest wood to you. But that's been one of the huge things for South Carolina thus far this season is no one has gotten hurt on that offensive line. Because yeah, that's, that's just another area. Like linebackers, if that position, if you have a guy go down, it's going to – going to take a major toll and the fact that they've been able to stay healthy has uh you know been great for South Carolina and I think a testament to uh Jeff Dillman and that strength staff and getting those guys ready to play but uh you know overall again four game losing streak what does it mean I think South Carolina coming in this game you know I think this South Carolina team because we've talked a lot about the Kentucky team from last year and obviously I think the biggest thing with Kentucky right now is just their confidence. I mean, they're obviously – they're exuding confidence. They should be confident. They're 4-0, 2-0 in the SEC. They went to the Swamp and won, which I don't care how bad Florida is, is not an easy place to play. South Carolina's got to go there later this season. I'll tell you it's not an easy place to go play, and that's going to be a tough game for South Carolina to win, even as bad as the Gators are. And and then you just really manhandle a Mississippi State team that everybody had such high hopes for. They were 14th in the country. 
Um, but again, with me, I just think, is it a little too soon to crown the Wildcats a top 20 football team? Uh, and that moves us into what our key matchups are going to be for Saturday. Tom, I'll let you start. What's your key matchup to watch uh, in Lexington on Saturday? Mine's going to be T.J. Brunson versus Benny Snell. You have to stop Benny Snell. You cannot let him get going. Last year, he had 32 carries for 100 yards, but it felt like felt like he always is pounding us. You know, when they went Wildcat, they had really a lot of success against us. I think that if T.J. can have a great game and make, you know, make those stops at two or three yards past the line of scrimmage or past the line. If we can get Benny Snell stopped where he's only averaging three yards carry, I think we're going to win the game. I don't think there's any way we only score 13 points this year unless something drastic happens that just – is unexpected, like somebody gets hurt like last year. But I think that we have a – we have to have a good linebacker, a game – we have to have a good game of our linebackers for us to be successful. This is the game you're going to find out what kind of linebacker T.J. Brunson is. I talked yeah. about before, you know, how does he fill the shoes of Sky Moore? Sky Moore was just so much more than just a, a good tackler or a solid linebacker. He was such a leader for that defense and somebody that, that set the tone for you defensively. What kind of game can T.J. Brunson have on Saturday? What kind of impact can he make? Can he make a big game-changing play? Can he, can he set the tone and meet Benny Snell in the hole? Because I, I, think, I think if he can do that, if you can pop Benny Snell early on and let him know, hey, it, it's not going to be like that today. You're not going to run all over our defense. Uh, I'm going to be here to greet you every single play. I, I think that can really change the game. Because I, I think the, just the mentality in this game is, is a big factor as well. My, my key matchup, and obviously, Tom, you think this is kind of humorous, but it's quarterback Jake Bentley just versus himself. I, I think, again, I think the mental portion of this game, I, I just think the mental side is so important, obviously, in college football. But Jake Bentley, this is another test for him. And obviously, I was ext- we were all extremely critical of Jake Bentley after his performance against Georgia and really the whole teams. And was it fair, unfair, who knows. But this is another test for Jake Bentley. You're going on the road in the SEC at night. The game is expected to be a sellout. You know, Kentucky doesn't have the biggest stadium in the world, but I'm sure those fans, they're going to be good and bourboned up. You know, they drink bourbon in uh, in Kentucky. It's not whiskey, it's bourbon. Um, they're going to be good and bourboned up, ready to go, screaming loud. They're all excited. Kentucky's a top 20 team. How do you handle that adversity? Because there's going to be times in the game where you face adversity. How are you going to handle that adversity? Can you stay within yourself? Can you trust your abilities, trust the offensive game plan? And like I said, just be steady Eddie for South Carolina. You don't have to go out there and throw it 40 times to win the game. Now, the running game's got to do their part, not put it all on his shoulders. But go out there, be steady Eddie, take care of the football. Not so much be a game manager, but be smart. Um, and, and just be a guy this South Carolina offense can depend on. But can Jake Bentley just stay within himself and make smart decisions and, you know, go out there and lead his team to a victory and maybe make a big play if he needs to, make a big throw if he needs to. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, um, biggest keys to the game, I'll start with mine. You know, there are a lot of different keys in this game, Tom. And when I give my prediction a breakdown on uh, Periscope on Friday, I'm going to have my three keys. There's going to be more than this. But to me, in a game like this where, you know, maybe South Carolina, because I've talked about I think South Carolina is a more talented football team top to bottom. But, you know, when you go on the road in the SEC, like, again, in this environment you're going to be in, it, that really helps even out the playing field for the home team, right? It's going to play like a much more even matchup. And in an even matchup, winning the turnover battle is critical. It's going to be – I can guarantee you on Saturday, the team that wins this football game is going to be the team that makes the least dumb mistakes because somebody's going to have a stupid interception, a dumb fumble, just 
a careless error. And if you can eliminate the careless errors and make the least amount of careless errors and South Carolina can be opportunistic and take advantage of Kentucky's mistakes if they do make them, I think that's going to be a huge key. I, I just don't see the team that turns the ball over more is going to lose. I don't see any other scenario where that's not the case. Tom, what's your biggest key to the game on Saturday? Uh, it's going to be stopping Kentucky's run game and us being explosive. I think that – or us being explosive – not explosive. Us having a good game on the ground. Last year, Kentucky ran for 184 and ran for 50. We lost by 10. If that's a similar thing – if it's a similar stat line to that this year, we're going to lose by 10 or we're just going to lose the game. I don't think there's any way that we can let Kentucky run for 150 or more and win or and then us only run for 50 yards. We have to have a good run game this year. We have to stop Kentucky's run game. Simple as that. Yeah, I 100% agree. Winning the line of scrimmage, I think, obviously, is going to be huge. I mean, that's you can look at the past four years again. Kentucky's won the line of scrimmage all four years, and they've won the football game. I don't think that's a coincidence at all. Um, all right, Tom, it's your favorite part of the show. We're going to make some predictions. I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, lay it on us. How does the game play out Saturday in Lexington? Do the Gamecocks get the win, or do they suffer their fifth straight, fifth straight loss to Kentucky? Uh, I'm going to go Kentucky 24, South Carolina 23. Jake Bentley hasn't won a big game in his career, except if you really want to count Michigan last year, that we haven't played performed well in night games. We haven't performed specifically well in night games on the road. If anybody remembers Clemson in 2016, that humiliation. But I don't think there's any way that I'm going to take South Carolina in big game until Jake Bentley proves to me that he can play in them because he has at this point. There's no getting past it. And it's not really Jake Bentley, but the team as a whole. Can they mentally stay in the game for four quarters? Can you, if you get down by two touchdowns, can you stay in the game and make that comeback? I just don't think they can. I think that, you know, maybe Kentucky gets out to an early lead and they claw back some, but I just think Kentucky's too good on the ground for us to – if DJ Wanham's in this game, i probably take South Carolina by a touchdown. But he's not – he's a big factor. Josh Belk not being there is going to hurt us. You know, obviously he'd be a stump to help in the middle, but it's just hard to pick South Carolina. You know, Kentucky's played very well. Obviously their opponents haven't been the greatest, but they, they beat Mississippi State by three touchdowns. And, now, you know, you can't look past that. Mississippi State's a good team. They Nick Fitzgerald's a good quarterback, and they shut them down. So, what are they going to do, Jake Bentley? I'm just, I'm concerned, man. I think it's, I think I'm going to take Kentucky here, 24-23. No, yeah, that, that's, I, that's a very, very fair pick because obviously you and I, we texted back and forth for a good while today, and I, I think I was maybe trying to convince myself of some things possibly with this South Carolina football team, but. You know, and it's – I'll say this about your pick, very fair pick, because South Carolina – and I, I, I literally said after the Georgia game, I'm not taking South Carolina in a big game again and they prove they can win one of these. With that being said, I do think South Carolina, again, top to bottom is a better football team. I will say that. Yeah. I think South Carolina understands this is, an, this is a must win. You cannot lose this game and have a good season. I don't care what anyone tells you. You just can't do it. It, it. The season will not be considered a success if you don't beat Kentucky. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse on any planet in any universe that South Carolina should have a four-game losing streak to Kentucky in football, much less a five-game winning streak. Yeah. South Carolina has more recently beat Kentucky in basketball, which is hard to believe. But with that being said, again, you know, I know you said it didn't matter, but I think the guys in Vegas, I think they know something. I know something. That line opened up at South Carolina one and a half for a reason. Vegas wants everybody to jump on the Kentucky hype train, pour all their money on Kentucky. Then once the wise bettors wait out the line, they're going to put their money back on South Carolina. I think South Carolina's the play here. You want to take them plus two? Go right ahead. 
I'd say take a money line. I think South Carolina is going to get the win on Saturday. I think they're going to break the streak in no universe. Is it possible for Kentucky to beat South Carolina five years in a row? And I simply just think – I think South Carolina can match up with Kentucky everywhere, by the way. I mean, Benny Snell's going to get his, yes. But I think the South Carolina offense can move the football. If they can continue to spread the football around, they've got weapons everywhere. Kentucky's not – I understand they've played really well on defense this season, but let me take a look at their schedule. They've played Central Michigan garbage. At Florida, terrible on offense. Murray State, garbage. And then Mississippi State, who, granted, was up, was up, what, what were they, 14 to 7 in that game, and then collapsed, and Kentucky won, or they were up 7 nothing, excuse me. And then Kentucky obviously stormed and pulled away in the second half. But I think South Carolina, I would argue that South Carolina, while Nick, Nick Fitzgerald's a dynamic playmaker, and I would still rate him above Jake Bentley as far as quarterbacks, I think South Carolina might have a much, much better offense than Mississippi State. So, I think the South Carolina offense matches up well against the Kentucky defense. Uh, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth close game. But I've got South Carolina getting the win. Give me a score 24 to 21, Gamecocks. They get out of Lexington, finally break the streak. South Carolina moves to 3-1, and 2-1 and one in the SEC with two SEC road wins. So, bank it. There it is. Gamecocks could get the win by a field goal. Um, Want to move into, before we let you guys go, we've got some listener questions. We've brought back the listener questions. We're going to be running these through Instagram because it is the easiest way to do so. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, please be sure to go do so at Armchair S Car. I'm going to be putting up the, the question box, if you will, either on Monday or Tuesday, and you can submit your questions there. Had a ton of good questions this week, so I want to run through these really quickly. Tom, we'll just kind of go back and forth. You can take one, I can take one, and we'll start. You can take the first one. Um, Barry G. Benson on Instagram simply asks, how do you think our D-line is going to hold up against Kentucky's run game? Uh, I think, well, the rotation has been good. I think, I think you'll see a lot of J.J. Nogby at this game. Because, you know, he's a quick guy, can get off blocks, make plays along the line of scrimmage. I think that Bryson had a really good game against uh, Vanderbilt. I think that carries over. He's one of our best players. Uh, I'll say they have a good game. I don't – how good of a game, I don't know, but I think they have a pretty good game. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I mean, I, I think it's – you know, another guy like Rick Sandage, can he have a big impact this week yeah. as well? He's a big dude that could plug a hole. So, be interesting to see. Mr. Underscore Incredible 01. By the way, some phenomenal Instagram handles in this in this list. Uh, Mr. Underscore Incredible 01 asks, do you agree if Carolina is able to stop Kentucky's run game, this might be an easy win? I, I do tend to agree with that, yes. Yeah. I think if South Carolina can, especially if they can do even just half, similar to what they did at Nashville, where they can get off the field on third down. I mean, like you said, Tom, if South Carolina holds Kentucky to two for 14, yeah, two for 14 on third down, South Carolina wins this game by three touchdowns. There's no question. Do I think they'll do that? No, but – I think if you can, you know, stymie the Kentucky run defense just enough, and even if you can just bow up in the red zone and win the red zone, I think South Carolina could get a 10, maybe even 14-point victory. Obviously, they got to go out and do it, but I think if you can stop the run, I think, yeah, that's very much a possibility. Um, Judd Rupp asks, besides J.C. Horn, who are the best-playing newcomers so far, in your opinion, Tom? I mean, we haven't really had a, a bunch of freshmen really giving big minutes, but I would say someone that I liked was Josh Fan. I think he played really well against uh, Coastal. He had a – I don't think he got many targets against Georgia, but he played well. I mean, I think he's a guy on offense that's going to be with, – especially with Wartray Smith going out, the guy's going to be playing more. Other than that, I mean, really can't think of much. I mean, Rick Sandage and J.J. Inogre are two defense tackles. I think are going to be really good for us in the long run too, but – other than that, I mean, we haven't really had a lot, a lot of new guys have a big impact other than J.C. Horn. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll say this in, in defense of those two young D tackles. It's just tough in your first year as a freshman D tackle to have a huge impact because you're just physically not – you're just physically not there. But, yeah, like I agree with you, love love Josh, man. I've liked what I've seen from Jovan Gwynn and Dylan Wanham when they've gotten some limited action too. Yeah, that's I think true. they're going to be two really good ones that are going to start a lot of games for South Carolina. Um, C8, so capped underscore way, C-A-P-T underscore way. Our D looked pretty good against Vandy. Will it be the same against Kentucky? Also, offense had flashes but still had some sputters. Will they improve? Um, I'll say that the defense did look good against Vandy. Will they be the same against Kentucky? Probably not because you're facing a much greater challenge and a different challenge. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Will they play as well? Will they rise to the occasion as yet to be seen? Um, I think Javon Kinlaw, I think we can expect him to have another big day, though. I think Javon Kinlaw is here to stay. and He may not put up those numbers, but I think he'll be a force in the middle. Um, also, offense, you know, had some flashes still. You know, they had some sputters. Will they improve? I think they're going to continue to improve every week as long as South Carolina is able to run the football and they're able to get the ball to all of their playmakers, not just Debo Samuel. I mean, it's crazy to me that, you know, going into the Georgia game, you just talked about Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel. Coming into this week, Debo Samuel feels like the ace in the hole to me. You're not talking about him nearly as much. Shy Smith had a huge game on Saturday, which I think just plays perfectly in the hands of South Carolina because if you're Kentucky, you're like, man, like we knew Shy Smith was capable, but now you got to really worry about this guy. You already know what Brian Edwards can do. He's a huge, big body that can go up, out jump probably anybody we've got or compete with anybody we got. Then you got Debo Samuel, preseason All-American. So how are you going to cover all those guys? But, yes, if South Carolina, they will continue to improve. I think Brian McClendon is going to continue to improve as a play caller. But I think as long as they can continue to run the football, that's going to be the huge key for them. They'll get better every week if they can do that. Um, Seth underscore Skinner 10 writes, who had the best performance this week for the Gamecocks? Tom, really quickly, you already kind of addressed that. But who do you think uh, overall? Yeah, Javon Kendall, it's not close. When you have two sacks from a defense tackle position, you're having a really good game. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Nish.Desai7, do you think Shai Smith can be consistently that good? Uh, yeah, I think he he can be a big-time playmaker for South Carolina. Now, is he going to put up those stats every week? Obviously, it's going to depend on who's covering him, the game plan, you know, what the, miss, the what's the matchups are. But, yeah, he's a guy that should be looked at as a top weapon and should be that number three, three wide receiver with uh, Ortre Smith going out. I mean, I think he can be a big-time playmaker. And I think he's going to be a guy just looking ahead to 2019 – you know, if who we think is going to leave, leaves, and you have Debo and Brian Edwards possibly both go, I think Shots missed your number one wide receiver. So, I think he can definitely be a guy that can be a big-time weapon in the offense. Um, a. Bowers underscore 11 writes, we shut down Kentucky's running game. <laughs> Do we have a better chance of winning? Tom, uh, there's, there's a question for you. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty simple one there. If, if Benny Snell rushes for like 50 yards or less, we'll beat Kentucky by three touchdowns. There's no other way to put it around it. If you yeah. stop Kentucky on the run game, they're one trick pointy to me. If you stop him on the run game, you're going to win the ball game. And if South Carolina does hold him to 50 yards and Terry Wilson throws for 300, I quit. So Yeah, I'll give up sports forever. The Spurs Up show could be on its last episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, next question. C Priest 18 asks, how do you think Coach Boom likes his steak cooked? Um, well, if he's not a psychopath, I'd say he likes it medium and no more than that. So, Tom, if you have anything else to say, I would not do that. Um, uh, yeah, I would say medium too, but <laughs> nothing, nothing more burnt than that. Uh, AJ Harville asked, sh should we stack the box and let them try to throw on us? Again, questions are pretty common theme, but I mean, I'm definitely, I would think so. You know, I tweeted out earlier in the week. I said, if I'm South Carolina, I put A in the box and make Kentucky run on me. 
I just don't I just don't think Terry Wilson is that kind of quarterback. I mean, obviously, I have a buddy who writes for Florida for Inside the Gators. He said, you know, Terry Wilson beat him on a 54-yard bomb. Well, what are the chances that that happens twice? That's like lightning striking in the same place twice. <laughs> I just don't see it happening. I got, I, I'm putting eight in the box every time against Kentucky if I'm South Carolina. Yeah, and no offense, but I trust the uh, I trust the South Carolina defensive scheme under Will Muschamp a little more than I trust the Dan Mullen Florida defensive scheme. Yeah, that's, just my that's opinion, exactly. but whatever. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, last question, which may be my favorite one of all, and I'm so glad I'm taking this one. Really cool, Junior asks: Is Kentucky as good as Kentucky thinks Kentucky is? Mm. And my question is: I don't think Kentucky is as good as Kentucky thinks Kentucky is. Um, you know, I'm not trying to knock and say, well, Kentucky's just a terrible team. Listen, this isn't your your daddy's Kentucky. I don't think – they're not going to finish four and eight. Um, Kentucky's probably going to go to a bowl game. You take a look at their schedule. they got to go to College Station after South Carolina. So, that's definitely not a shoe-in. But you got Vandy still at Mizzou, Georgia, at Tennessee, Middle Tennessee, at Louisville. Kentucky's going to go to a bowl game. They're, they're a solid football team. But do I think they're the 17th best team in the country? Uh, no. I don't. So, you know, if that's if that's the case and that's the scenario in a team like, let's say, oh, Texas is ranked after they lost to Maryland week one, South Carolina should still be ranked because South Carolina, while they got blown out, lost to the number two team in the country. So take it for what it's worth. The AP poll is a joke anyway. So we'll see if they're really worth that ranking on Saturday. Um, final thoughts some final tidbits, if, as you probably already know at this point. South Carolina, Missouri announced for a noon kickoff, williams Bryce on October the 6th, which I know we're all thrilled and ecstatic for that, Tom. Uh, <laughs> Gamecocks just cannot win. With, shoot myself. We'll get with, these noon, with these noon kickoffs, the Gamecocks just cannot win when it comes to these kickoff times. You just got to pray and hope that the Texas A&M game is going to be a night game. But, of course, South Carolina's one night game gets, gets uh, canceled due to a hurricane, and now the Gamecocks are stuck with a noon kickoff. Um, in Columbia, South Carolina in a couple weeks. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, as we talked about, named the co-SEC defensive lineman of the week or Trey Smith out for the season. Another tidbit, Jamel Cook is ineligible, and he will, is ruled out for the season. Uh, not, not a huge piece of news there. I mean, I think I'm excited for what Jamel Cook can be because he's another 6'4 guy in your secondary. Um, it kind of reminds me, too, is a guy that hadn't played a lot that I kind of expect to. Israel Mokwamu really hadn't seen the field this year. I think he's just – kind of buried on the depth chart beside some really good guys in the secondary. But um, a guy, who knows, we may see more of as the season goes on. But other than that, we're going to have an interview for you guys. Matt Jones, um, who is a very, very prominent Kentucky personality, will be on our bonus episode that will release tomorrow night. We're actually going to release the episode separately this week due to Matt's schedule, which is completely fine. But Matt couldn't make it on Monday or Tuesday night, so we're not going to let that stop the Spurs Up show. And our normal release date, we'll be dropping our show on Wednesday morning as always. But our interview with Matt Jones will be coming um, that I think everybody should tune into. He's an absolutely fantastic Kentucky personality. One Definitely he's going to shed some great light on this Kentucky football team if they're really worth that ranking and how the Kentucky Wildcats are viewing this matchup with the South Carolina Gamecocks. But before we let you guys go, Tom, anything else? Any last words as we uh, as we depart and dive into the Kentucky game this weekend? Uh, if South Carolina wins, direct all your hate to Chris, not me. He's the one who picked them. <laughs> if South Carolina wins? Yeah, because I picked South Carolina win, remember, right? Yeah, right. Okay, yep, for sure. All right, cool. Well, that's going to wrap it up. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to go check us out, iTunes, Stitcher, armchallernetwork.com, all of our social media handles. You guys know where to follow us. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and we will catch you next week.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.